have the Ayatollah of Fantasy Rock and Roller with us today, Adam Rank. How are you doing, Rank? It looked great in person, and I uh, just can't wait to next year where we, we can pack it full of 25,000. Hey, Bob, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I didn't know it was Ball Guys Day. It was being ranked. I mean, how do you lose? This is the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. This is episode number 132 presented by the Fantasy Points Media Group. And joining me as always to my left, to my right, depending on which way you're looking. And if you listen to us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever that is, you can't see which way I'm pointing, so it doesn't matter. But Tara Roberts is here one more time. How are you doing, Tara? Doing good. Doing good. And joining we. It, Worked out so well establishing the run last week with Evan Silva. We thought we'd run it back one more time with Adam Leviton of Established the Run. How are you doing, Adam? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, I've been looking forward to this here. I'm, I'm excited about the show. I think we're going to have a lot of fun here. And as always, if you're watching us right now, this is the Vipercast Part 2. We'll be coming a little bit later where we go behind the grind with Adam and kind of talk about his career in the fantasy football industry. And it, it, a path that's kind of a little bit different, a little bit of poker in there, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. we got some pretty good headlines that we're going to talk about in the second half of the show. But we want to make sure that we talk about headlines here in the offseason because, hey, this is where headlines are usually the – the best altogether. I mean, some make sense, some make no sense. We're going to get Adam to kind of break it all down to us, kind of give us a little bit of fact or fiction, myth. Let's bust some of these myths here when it comes to these headlines. And we're going to start off right off the get-go with a headline that came out early here in the last couple of weeks. Panthers Darnold can be one of the NFL's best quarterbacks. What are your thoughts on that? Let it out. Let me have it. Just let it all out. Well, Unfiltered. I- you know, I think it's a good uh, reminder for people. Like, this is an extreme example, but most of the stuff you hear around this time of year is just, like, so bad and not warranted in any substance whatsoever. Even stuff that coaches say is usually not warranted in anything that we should be taking seriously. And obviously, the Darnold thing just, like, should shove it right in everybody's face. I mean, you know, I think by any stretch, Sam Darnold was – a bottom five quarterback in the NFL last year. And that was in what I thought was a pretty good scheme and pretty good players around him, especially when they had Christian McCaffrey healthy, which wasn't for a lot of the years. So yeah, obviously that's laughable. I still think that the Panthers are in the, in the mix for Jimmy Garoppolo, no matter what they say. So we'll see if the, if the price comes down on that and the Panthers can get in the mix there because I mean, Matt rule is going to get fired if, if they don't win some games and, and he get fired real quick. So they, they need to win and win soon, and I think they know it's not Darnold. Well, I don't want to make any excuses for Darnold, but he kind of started off good last season mm-hmm. when McCaffrey was healthy, DJ Moore was clicking. Even though DJ Moore kind of – see, we had those injuries to McCaffrey and everything else, everything that could go wrong with this Panthers offense basically did, and yet somehow DJ Moore still was 23rd in routes per run or routes run or whatever that number is. He still was pretty effective, DJ Moore was, without oh. Christian McCaffrey. You have to think that – with Darnold, maybe maybe there's a little truth here, or am I just kind of going a little bit crazy here? Uh, I think you're going crazy. I mean, to to, <laughs> to suggest that Darnold could be even like an average quarterback after what we've seen in his career, I think is is going too far. And I agree with you. He, he started off fine. They, they were winning games. Um, he was he was fine. Uh, I don't think that 
that was sustainable in any sense, especially after what we saw. I mean, he lost his job to to PJ Walker, you know, who who is a XFL player and, and new Matt Rule from Temple. And yeah, I mean, it, it was just really bad. I I think you're out of your mind. Yeah, and it was a you soft know? schedule to start off the season is something that we got to keep in mind last season. It was like the Jets and Houston, I think another couple of questionable teams. But yeah, I completely agree with you. I think Garoppolo makes the most sense there to kind of try and give Matt Rule at least maybe one more year, save his job a little bit. <laughs> well, let's stick with this Jets theme here a little bit here because we've all watched all these Avengers movies. We know about the Incredible Hulk, the big green guy himself. Well, maybe there's an incredible bulk going down there in New York. Last headline there, Jets quarterback, Wilson bulks up, feels better and bigger. What, what is that? <laughs> well, he's in the best shape of his life. And, and in many uh, uh, NFL players are in the month of May, they're often reportedly in the best shape of your life. I know you guys aren't going to believe that. So, yeah, it's just guys lift weights in the offseason. They work with a nutritionist. They feel really good. They tell the media that, and then that becomes a headline because people have to write stories. I mean, it's just absolutely preposterous that that would even be a story. So yeah, I, I don't doubt that he's put on a little bit of muscle. So has uh, almost everybody in the NFL and they'll, they'll lose some of that through training camp and through the season. I, you know, these are the kind of stories that like, my God, it's like, it, it pains me to like it, even go to ESPN and like read the headlines. It's like, it's like painful. I'm looking for something I can use here. And they're giving me Sam Donald's been lifting weights. So you're telling me after a 17-game schedule where you're getting hit every single day of the week, it's true that you could be in the best shape of your life after the rigors of that season are done. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Now, now we talk about hulking up. We talk about bulking up. What are your thoughts on the latest Najee Harris up to 240? Because I can say this beyond a question of doubt. When I hit 240, I slowed right down. That was only a few weeks ago. I wasn't fast to begin with, but... 240. Oh boy. That's like yeah. any lacy territory. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of data, you know, that as running backs gain weight, they become worse. Um, I think the wide receiver position gaining weight, uh, if you maintain your speed can be better for whatever reason, you know, running backs who have tried to put on a lot of weight, it just has not worked out for them. And we see the reverse too. I mean, Le'Veon Bell played huge in college and then he slimmed down and he was so good for, the Steelers, I think in today's NFL where you need your running backs to be catching passes, creating yards after contact. I mean, the, these it's so hard for these big guys. And also, like, everybody thinks they're Derrick Henry, but uh, nobody actually is Derrick Henry. I mean, you know, to run as fast as Derrick Henry runs, you know, 4-4, four, 4-5 four, four speed at his size and his height, he's just so much bigger naturally and faster naturally than Najee Harris. I mean, Najee Harris was slow already, slow-ish already, I think. And then to add 15 pounds seems really crazy to me. And, and you know, the, the run game shockingly was not solved by taking Najee Harris in the first round. I mean, that was just a ridiculous thing for them to think would happen. So, so yeah, that would be one that, you know, we don't get the report on every guy who gains weight, but it, it certainly scares me or gives me some pause when running backs are adding that much weight. Do you think he could be the exception based on he's got a little bit more height than maybe your typical running back, maybe carries it a little bit better? Yeah, it, it, it's certainly possible. You know, I, I don't think it's like a huge thing one way or the other. And also, like, he can catch the ball, obviously, and, and he's a good player, and they'll be fine this year. They'll be mediocre. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's fine. I just wouldn't be excited about him gaining weight. People are like, oh, 
you look at his thighs he's so strong like there's something going on with beat writers and like tweeting pictures of thighs lately because last year we had the 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 Saquon Barkley and the AJ Dillon thing. And this year I've seen a bunch of thighs too. I saw Najee Harris thigh pictures and all this. I mean, it's, it's out of control. <laughs> I was strongly considering taking some pictures of my thighs and just to put them on there, but <laughs> ain't nobody <laughs> want to see that right now. Let's be honest. Agreed. Another headline that kind of came out there is Tyreek Hill really likes Tua Tungavaloa's balls. I mean, he says he throws a very accurate one, one of the nicest balls that he's seen come to him. This all came after, of course, that ball that was throw, drastically underthrown. What do we make of Tyreek Hill and Tua Tungvaloa here and Tua's balls? <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, it's not going to be a, a vertical offense. Like, you know, Mike McDaniel's coming from San Francisco. You know how they played. They prioritized massively yards after catch, so they're going to try to get the ball into Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell's hands quickly and short. And I think Tua can do that and then let them make plays after the catch. I mean, you can make a case that Tyreek and Waddell are, are two of the best yards after catch receivers in the entire league. And I don't think the game plan is going to be to throw it deep a ton with Tua. Um, I really don't. So I think it's overblown that, you know, Tua, uh, obviously like one clip that the social media team put out you know some intern probably some poor intern probably got fired for putting out uh that clip uh, unfortunately and and you know it's just one play but I don't think there's gonna be a ton of that in the offense anyways uh can Tua support all their weapons I think that's an interesting question they have a lot of talent if you add in Jasicki and Cedric Wilson obviously to Tyreek and Jalen Waddle and Chase Edmonds plays well in the past game too can, can Tua support all that I'm pretty skeptical but I do think that like getting Tyreek Hill and Waddle six, seven, eight short passes a game uh, is well within what Tua can do and what they will do. Tara, am I the only one that thinks that maybe Tua could find himself in that uh, high-end QB2 next season? Because watching what uh, Tyreek Hill did with Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City did a lot of underneath stuff where Tyreek Hill made some big plays happen. You got Tyreek, you've got Waddle. Guys, you don't have to – Tua doesn't have to let it rip down the field. He can just drop it off and let these guys make plays happen and yet they'll let those yak yards add up. I mean, yak yards, they count just the same for the quarterback as anyone else. Tara, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think the kind of the thing that you got to keep in mind with Tua is, is that I liked him a lot as a kind of a streaming option last season because he had a pretty good floor um, throughout that second half where he came in back after the injury. And if he can keep that floor, stay healthy for the full season, elevate his game a little bit and add a little bit more upside with the addition of Tyreek. Yeah, I, I can see it as a possibility that he could definitely be a high QB two, maybe sneak in there if, you know, maybe a guy or two gets injured and sneak in there as a low end QB one if he can stay healthy. And then, Adam, back to you here. We're going to talk about the Tennessee Titans just a little bit. Ryan Tannehill now vows he'll be a great teammate to Malik Willis. Just a few weeks ago, wasn't his job to mentor him. What are your thoughts? Should a quarterback, should another teammate mentor someone on their roster when that person could possibly take over their job in two, three years, maybe two, three weeks? We, we don't know what the situation there is in Tennessee. What do you think about Tannehill now vowing to be a better teammate? <laughs> um, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I don't think you have to. I, I think you're out there to compete. I mean, these guys have competed their whole lives for uh, a chance to play and and I don't think that Ryan Tannehill's job is to make sure Malik Willis uh, progresses at all. If he wants to, that's fine. I would just like, if I was asked by a media member, I, I just wouldn't say anything or I'd deflect 
the question. I just try to be a good human uh, in the locker room. But yeah, I, I don't think that it's that big a deal. I, I think that Ryan Tannehill knows his contract situation is is really bad. I mean, the Titans can save 18 million if they cut him after this season. And so, you know, and they drafted Malik Willis in the third round. Many people thought Malik Willis was going in round one. And, and so it seems likely the Titans are angling to move on, barring some heroic, massive performance from Ryan Tannehill this season, which I'm pretty skeptical that they can get when they trade away AJ Brown. And yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a rough go for Tannehill and would not shock me at all if we saw Malik Willis starts late in the year. And I think the Titans should give Malik Willis starts late in the year to know what their quarterback situation is. And, uh, you know, all that assumes that the Titans are going to be, you know, mediocre to, to sub average team um, this season. So, so yeah, I, I, I don't blame him at, at all, but you know, I think he sees the writing on the wall. I mean, his time as a NFL starting quarterback is I think uh, short lived unless he really, really plays well this year. I'm going to move on from the headlines a little bit. Although, Matt, I got to say, I'm a little bit disappointed that one of our headlines, um, since you kept bringing up Tua and Balls, wasn't my, Michael Pittman's headline about Matt Ryan being able to put it wherever he wants it. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to need you to include that one next time. But uh, moving on to something a little bit less fantasy relevant or maybe a little bit more fantasy relevant. Um, Adam, have you ever had to slap a league mate? <laughs> <laughs> never i mean I, I was the commissioner of uh my leagues with all my friends growing up i was always the commissioner and it was mostly fine you know uh, we got to a point where there were just too many disputes and i had to relate like it was just taking up too much of my time you know and like i i can't i i, I you know life's too short to be like answering messages from various league mates about their issues with the waiver wire and stuff you know so uh, i i gave up my commissioner duties and i didn't have to slap anyone i just i just <laughs> quit uh being the commissioner and you know it's sad that it comes to that because the league kind of fell apart uh from there which I, th I think is is sad but yeah you know just too many disputes man people are just there's too many whiners out there i think and and too many people complaining about trades and waivers and everything you know um i prefer you know to play in in dfs or or best ball where there there aren't these commissioner decisions but you know, in these home leagues, I get that it can get uh, heated at times. Yeah. So would would you say you're a better or worse commissioner than Mike Trout? <laughs> you know, I, I've been following the story. It seems like this guy, Tommy Pham, is like a, a psychopath. Like, like there's something like wrong with this guy. Uh, and we all have these guys in our leagues, too. Like, well, let's be honest here. There, there's <laughs> one in every league. If you don't know who it is, it's probably you. Yeah. Yeah. He seems like uh, kind of really unstable and... I, I think that maybe it wasn't like Mike Trout's job. I think what happened and from what I could tell was that like they're making fun of the Padres or something like that. And, and uh fam took exception to that. I guess he's got friends on the Padres or whatever. I don't, I don't follow baseball at all, but, but yeah, I, I you know, dudes are unhinged uh, in the fantasy league are, are definitely not good for business. And I'm sure Mike Trout has much, 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 much bigger things to worry about than uh, some dispute in the fantasy league about, you know, uh, IR spots or whatever they were talking about. But the, the whole thing was beyond ridiculous. Like it, nobody asked Jock Peterson to like go give a five minute play by play <laughs> with like the details of his league. He just like came out with it. You know, like normally these guys just like want to get the media out of their face. They're like, yeah, you know, we had a dispute and it's over now. It, it moved on. He, he had, he came with like receipts of like 
with the the message board and, and the moves and stuff. I mean, it was really weird. It was almost like I felt like it was almost a bit like it was almost scripted. But then, but yeah. then the the Tommy Fam thing, you know, he seems like he wouldn't be down to be part of a bit. He seems like he's like totally unhinged. So so yeah, uh, definitely one of the weirdest stories I've seen. Are you okay with Jeffrey Wilson being stashed on the IR? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't follow that part of it. I don't even know what they were talking about there. I, I guess when you have a guy on IR and he's healthy, you're supposed to take him off, right? And and yeah, and but I think it. he had the out designation. He wasn't an injured designation. I mean, it's I mean, it's, it's I think it was an ESPN thing. So got it. Yeah, who knows there? <laughs> but I think I've solved this. I mean, let's be honest. There's many league mates I've wanted to slap. I'll be frank with you with this. Now I think I figured out how to figure out draft position each and every year to kind of get everyone out of the way. You, have you ever seen those slap contests where they like kind of tee up and just like let each other go? That's mm-hmm. what you do to determine who gets the first overall pick and redraft. Get everyone teed up, get the chalk going, pay-per-view it, stream it, whatever you got to do, make a few bucks on it and just slap the crap out of each other. And whoever's standing when it's all said nut gets the number one pick. Everyone's happy. <laughs> I would pay money to have like Mike Trout slap fan right now. I mean, wouldn't that be entertainment? <laughs> uh yeah i think the slapping contests are fun yeah i i I, and yeah if you knew the people and it was famous people sure uh that that makes sense see look at this we're solving all kinds of league dilemmas here right here on the viper cast now one thing i need to know is because you guys are just dropping that established the run draft kit right now i know evan he has been working hard on that top 50 board there's all kinds of things that go into that each and every year are there some guys that maybe you have higher on your consensus in that draft kit that maybe most people do oh yeah i mean you know the time to get uh values before everybody kind of uh, kind of comes together on the same kind of consensus is now and so if you're playing in some of these best ball leagues i mean you know there's guys like we're 50 spots ahead of adp on robbie anderson and not, and not because we like robbie anderson that much but uh, i think he's a good player with a secure role um and he's going like 180th overall I, I think there's guys like aaron jones that was going in the third round who i think can be like a borderline first round pick um that we're definitely uh way higher on i, I like deandre swift a lot i'm not sure it's hard to get higher than market on deandre swift he's like 17th overall i do think the lions are going to be pretty good this year and then a lot of giant stuff you know i think people are under uh, underestimating the brian dable uh, addition. I mean, this guy, they're going to throw. They're not going to worry about turning the ball over that much. They're going to throw vertically. They're going to play four wide. It's going to be really good for Daniel Jones and whoever can step up between Kadarius Tony, Wendell Robinson, Saquon, Galladay, Slayton. And so uh, I think we're higher than market on a lot of the Giants. And honestly, a lot of the Jets guys too, uh, we're, we're higher than market on as well. I think if you don't completely give up, on Zach Wilson that like you can make a really good case that the Jets have can have a really good offense well let's talk about the Jets offense just quickly before we kind of go to our break here because when you look at that strength of schedule I don't know if you're a strength of schedule guy if you take that into account or if you just go with the best players or the guys you want to go with but Tara we discussed that the strength of schedule for the Jets it's not good for the running backs it's not good for the wide receivers and it sure as a heck ain't good for Zach Wilson I know the consensus is probably low. Maybe that's kind of driven that market down a little bit. Are you comfortable with that strength of schedule and hoping that talent kind of wins out at the end of the day? So uh, the way we, <clears throat> sorry, the way the way we do it is um, look at projected game scripts to try to figure out what type of throw rate and what type of run rate teams are going to play. And so we do use strength of schedule f- 
for that. And, and by, uh, I would really encourage people not to use last year's records when you're thinking about strength of schedule, you know, you can get a line, uh, you know, like an actual market line for every game this year at places like Westgate and Circa and places like that. And so you can, uh, you know, kind of back out the implied team totals for each game and try to figure out, you know, uh, are the Jets going to be expected to score 15 or 30 uh, in, in these weeks? And so that's like some baseline that you can use. I think trying to say, oh man, the the Bills were so good against wide receivers last year. That's going to be sticky year to year. I, I think that's really, 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 really dangerous. Um, and I think those stats are kind of really dangerous in, in general when you talk about DVP stuff, um, for sure, because people aren't, uh, adjusting it to opponent, you know, like, oh, this team could be great against tight ends, but what if they've played five straight teams who don't throw their tight end at all? Then, it, then you know, the data is all messed up. And so we adjusted for the team uh, and who they're for opponent, uh, opponent adjusted DVP. But I still think that it's just like a very small piece of the puzzle. And if the Jets are good, like, you know, or if they, they take a big step forward, like their strength of schedule in June is not going to matter. Uh, a ton at all and if you think they're losing a ton that's not necessarily bad for their offense uh either uh especially from a volume perspective so so yeah i i, I hear what people are, are trying to do with that i just think it's it's a really dangerous game to play if you're if you're not doing it right and you get all of this in a draft kit there over at establishtherun.com and so much more what else can you get on that in that draft kit yeah, so we're working on a ton of stuff. Right now, obviously, the focus is, is best ball. I mean, there's some massive contests out there. I think we've we've really gone above and beyond on terms of strategy for winning these really top-heavy, really large field best ball tournaments. All those articles are there. We have rankings for every single format and then Dynasty, obviously. And then we're also betting some season-long props in the draft kit as well. I mean, those are like probably the softest market outside of NFL draft is the season long props, you know, like uh, how many yards will Christian Watson have this year over or under, you know, 690 and a half and, and stuff like that. Um, if you're willing to tie up money for the next nine months, which uh, I know can be difficult, but if you're willing to do that, uh, I think you can expect to have a really good ROI if you know what you're doing in those season long props. I absolutely love that. I think that's one of the best bang for the buck kind of uh, kits out there today right now. And you get it from some of the brightest minds yourself, Evan, and so many more people kind of contributing to that draft kit here. Now, with that said, hey, head over to fastypoints.com as well. Enter that promo code VIPERS22 and get 10% off that subscription today. And while you're at it, go subscribe over at Establish the Run because you're getting a little bit of everything over there as well. And even, I believe you guys got into golf here as well. So there's golf there. Who knows? Maybe soccer's next. I don't know. I mean, everyone's kind of transitioning. The offseason, we get kind of a little antsy here and there. But we don't want to get too antsy for is the behind the grind segment that's coming up next. You're going to want to tune in to that episode. So stay tuned. We'll see you in a little bit. Take care now.